0: substance abuse and I am part of Pastor David and Miss Connie's legacy from the Hope House um, I'm very excited to be sharing um, with y'all tonight and I'm such uh, I'm so happy that it's just um, a smaller intimate crowd of my familiar family that's here tonight um, I am going to share uh, some of my testimony if you'll, if you'll tell, tell me what time I need to be wrapping it up no you told me so Okay. Um, I might ta- it might not take that long, or, you know, it might. Um, the, uh, Pastor Rhonda asked me on Sunday how I felt about sharing my testimony uh, tonight, and um, I uh, hesitated. Excuse me. Um, I hesitated, and uh, she said, do you want to think about it? And that was kind of my outlet. And I said, uh, yeah, maybe I should. I'm not in a really good place right now. So anyway, we had such an amazing praise and worship uh, that uh, the Lord just really was working on me just in that short period of time. And I ended up putting a note up here saying the enemy is trying to get me not to speak Wednesday night. Uh, But uh, I would like to if that's okay. So uh, that's how uh, all that came about. So... Um, I am 51 years old, and, um, thank you. Who said that, Missy? I should have known. I'll pay you later. Um, I might be wiggling a lot and standing and sitting, so, um, walking or whatever, just to stay comfortable. Um, I have some physical barriers that are new, but I'll start with my testimony, but I feel this overwhelming urge, uh, to, um share some things uh, with y'all about the progression of recovery and how important it is to follow things up uh, once you um, make a commitment to this thing. Um, This is a very hard thing to maintain. And I'll say first and foremost that it absolutely cannot be done for me without Jesus Christ as my center. Um, And I've learned that this Um, go-round. My parents were... um, phenomenal I have an older uh, brother and sister Uh, had all the uh, luxuries and um, uh, just a great childhood Uh, raised in the church my grandfather was a Baptist preacher uh, for over 60 years and um, lived right around the block from him and so every time the, the doors were open he would come around the block and pick me up and and my siblings as well. Mother and dad did not attend church a whole lot, um, but they were good Christian people. Uh, I guess my father had decided since he had been there, uh, since he was in uh, a newborn, uh, every other day of the week that when he turned out t- 18 and decided to make his own decisions, he just kind of fell to the wayside, but it was always a, a very fine Christian man. A uh, lot of love, um, not a lot of affection, Um, to give you a little bit of background on my, uh, my father's side was, it was his father that was the preacher and my uh, mother's side, uh, she lost her parents by the age of three, um, and was, uh, tossed about, um, and I don't mean tossed about, shuffled around some because her siblings were so much older than her and there was 11 of them. Um, and live with sisters, you know, for a while here and then there. And they were like, you know, uh, can you take her? And then somebody would say, well, we want her. And that's kind of how she, from the age of three on, kind of grew up. So there wasn't a whole lot of love and affection. Um, I later found out in life about my mother, uh, for my mother, which is where that came from. And my daddy wasn't a real touchy-feely person either. So, but we always felt loved. Um, we had the best of Christmases, we had the, uh, you know, we weren't by any means rich, good schools, um, nice clothes, what have you. And there was four or five years, uh, four and five years difference in between me and my siblings, and I was the baby. So, by the time I was, uh, 12, of course, that means they were 16 and 17, and, of course, so then they were going on to college and moving out and things like that so from about the age of 13 and 14 on I was the only child under the roof Um, and my mother and father both had to work uh, so it took both of their incomes my mom was never a stay-at-home mom so it was a lot of by the time I was 12 and 13 uh, you know you came home from school and the house you know there was no parent home yet and that kind of thing and And I helped a lot around the house. Very involved in church in my teenage years. I did a couple of mission trips. Um, Was very uh, faithful to my church. Um, And then whenever I turned 18, uh, I kind of strayed as well. Um, Was able to make my own decisions or what have you. Um, At around the age of 8 or 9, I had a family member... um, Uh, It was a little inappropriate with me. Um, I won't elaborate. Um, It was never anything um, invasive. Uh, It was more of just uh, touching. Uh, And um, I can remember the feeling of the first time I was uh, surprised. The second time, I was like, well, I bumped into him. And the third time, I was like, okay, there's something wrong going on here and so I remember um and what I want you to know is back when I was growing up and I was that age you're talking about in the early 70s we were just not educated um, on these kinds of acts and in my family uh you didn't really talk about anything like that anyway um there was not a whole lot of uh if I had a problem or something uh you really just kept kind of quiet about it. You didn't really go to your mom and dad about it. Um, We just didn't do a lot of that. I didn't see anything wrong with it. Um, It was just the way I was raised and just the way it was and the way I saw my grandparents with, you know, my father with his parents, and you just didn't do a lot of it. But um, so I did decide to tell my brother, though, because we were extremely close. And my brother took care of that situation with my cousin. And... um, So anyway, uh, that's um, one situation that I had to deal with as a child that was, and I I guess at the age that I was at, um, somehow I knew that it was inappropriate, uh, but I didn't think it needed, it was anything all that serious, if you will. Um, So around the age of um, 14... Uh, again, I was very involved in the church at that time and in the youth and there was some inappropriate acts um, done towards me to uh, from two of the uh, staff members at the church um, at the time this is I felt as though um, I knew that it was inappropriate but I thought it was brought on by me because of what had happened with my cousin, I was like, well, this is happening again. I must be doing something. And again, uh, if I couldn't tell my family about a family member um, and the, small, the smaller act, this was a little bit more involved and I was definitely not gonna discuss it with my parents um, or tell anyone about it. And that was about the age of 14 and I kept that revealed until the age of 47. Um, Then around the age of uh, 16, I guess it uh, it would be called what y'all call, uh, or what we call date rape now. Uh, I had a boyfriend, and uh, even though we had the understanding, I had the understanding that um, I was to be a virgin whenever I got married. Um, And I just, it was something that I just never... um, really worried about or thought about because this gentleman, I'm sorry, this fellow, um, that was my steady boyfriend, was also in my same age, uh, same youth group, we did the same things, went on mission trips, and I just thought that there was that understanding. Now, you know, I'll make out all day long, okay, but uh, it, it was just always understood, and then one night it just was not understood, and um, I did not see the fault, his fault, in any of that. Um, I, again, uh, thought it was my fault. And I f- held on to that and did not reveal that as well as to uh, t- age 80, uh, 47. <laughs> I was going to say um, something about the 80s, but anyway, that's coming. Um, God, I hope I don't look 80. Uh, so, uh Those are three pretty significant uh, events um, before the age of 16 that I did not understand fully. Uh, I just put it in my head and I just buried it and no one would ever know about it and that's the way I kept it and where I kept it. Um, At the age of... uh, I had to deal with the... um, I had to deal with the uh, feelings of not being pure anymore. Um, it was very important to me. Um, and it was just understood. Uh, it was the way I was raised. There was never any questions by my parents. Uh, if, you know, with any boyfriend of mine ever, it was never a question. It just wasn't talked about. It was just assumed that it would happen that way on my wedding night. So, uh... I was feeling um, pretty down about that, and um, it took me a long time to recover from that because he went to my school and my church, and we were still in the same youth group following that. And um, he acted as though it was okay, and nobody got hurt, and I did not indicate to him or anyone that that was not the way I was feeling at all. I blamed myself for it happening, and I could have should have been able to do something to control it. Then there was the self-image uh, problem with, um, you know, I'm not... Nobody's ever going to want me because, um, you know, I'm not pure anymore or whatever. So... Um, I didn't have a whole lot of boyfriends uh, whenever I was uh, in my teenage years. Um because I was busy cheering or, you know, with the girls or whatever. But um, I did have this one other young man um, who proposed to me, and I did get married at 19, and he understood. He knew the gentleman that this happened with, and I told him the whole situation. And um, he did not even bat an eye. He was just like, you know, I understand, and I'm sorry that it happened, but it doesn't change how I feel about you. And I just thought that was really cool and um, thought really, to be honest, that that would probably be the only opportunity that I would have. There would probably not be too many more out there that might accept me for the way that I was. Um, And so we married at 19, and we did go to high school together. And um, we married at 19, and uh, we divorced within two years. And... um, I really was not used to, and I didn't realize this, all of this really until 47 years of age, how all this is going to tie together. But I really did not understand that he truly loved me uh, because there was no advances or um, inappropriate behavior uh, in a sexual way. Um, And only to find out later in life that um, I was terribly confused about love and sex. And basically what had happened to me in those uh, from 9 to 21 thus far in my life was I basically went from playing with baby dolls into a grown man's office and um, was... You know, um, I don't want to say assaulted, violated, um, and I guess in those years of being formed in my head, this this is what I've I've been through so much counseling to try to find out what it is that makes me tick and why I did the things that I did, uh, and it was basically that I have I, I was still a child, and that. All the wrongdoing, all of that wrongdoing, none of it was my fault. And I did not need to spend the last 35 years that I had um, blame, blaming myself. And to be honest with you, I didn't really blame, my, blame myself because I blocked it. so I sh- shoved it so far down that it wouldn't even enter my mind sometimes. I mean, I could go for a decade and not think about it um, because it was my fault. That was the end of it, and um, I never realized that that was forming how I would pick the gentleman in my life um, in my 20s and my 30s um, because I was so confused that I thought that the sexual act had to happen in order to be attractive to men, so I picked all of the wrong men. Um, all of them were dead, dead in relationships, all in my 20s. Um, And to find this, to find all these things that I'm going to share with you tonight out at the age of 47, and you've been living with it for 35 years, and you finally are with someone that you are going to spill your guts to, my counselor, Pastor David, and another counselor, another female, um, that helped me to realize why I am the way I am and why I did the things that I did. And it was such a relief. And I'm not trying to jump ahead, but um, so with that confusion of sex and love, that's how I entered every relationship. It was, you know, uh, sex first, and then hopefully they love me, you know. Um, and I would... uh I went through probably three major relationships in my thir- in my twenties and um, w- uh, one gentleman was killed in an automobile accident, and um, he was mean and i didn't realize that he was a mean person until way after he was gone and uh, the other one um, I actually married that was the second time I was married at about the age of twenty five and um, he had a one night stand with uh, a lady eight months later that resulted in a pregnancy, and that marriage ended because of that um, but in all of these relationships, no matter how bad they treated me, they would just about have to sever me to get rid of me. I mean it would be like I just couldn't get enough and um it was they could do anything to me or say anything to me, and I would just just i would be like, just if you can just love me, you know I, we can get through all of this. You know I've already given you all that I know to give you, which is you know the sex part or whatever and uh uh p- to to please you and to prove that I love you um you know just love me back and um I had no idea um that that was uh, that that in my childhood could be so uh devastating or mind boggling or mind trapping um that I could not I just never knew it. I lived my life and I never knew it until 35 years later why I had so many dead-end relationships. Um, My father died in 1991. Um, My mother was widowed at 48 and she has been alone ever since. Um, My mom and I have always been very close. and we are very troubled right now, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a little bit. Um, <clears throat> when that happened with my second marriage, I have not, used, I have not abused drugs at uh, this point. Um, I used to drink socially, and that, that was about it. Um, I decided that um, I needed to do something for myself, and that would be that I could support myself for the rest of my life because I was never going to be able to depend on a man. So at the age of 26 I decided to go back to nursing school and my goal was to be graduated by the age of 30 and I did do that. Um, So from about the age of 26 to about 38 I really did not have a significant relationship um, uh, with anyone. Uh, I, went, I dove into nursing. Um, I was a cardiac nurse for nine years. And um, around the age of 38, um, I decided that I would try to give marriage another shot. Um, still not knowing all of this, you know, not knowing why I did all of this this in my past and how this would all tie together but i decided that i would uh, give it one more shot and i would give it financial support mental support emotional um physical whatever it is that i'm just eager to make one work and so i decided to commit in that way and um Uh, come to find out I did marry him it was uh, and that was about the age of 38 and I did I did marry him it has since been annulled because whenever he married me it was a con man and when he married me um, he was already married and he took a good chunk of my retirement um, that I had helped um, uh, put into his business okay so this is this is going to start the uh, kind of the downfall of things Um, I sort of had, uh, looking back now, um, a mental breakdown that I just did not address. I decided to go um, travel nurse all over the United States. And, um, but I can tell you what happened to me out there. I just, uh, I'd go somewhere for, you know, 12 or 14 weeks, wouldn't have to worry about making any relationships, not bonding with nobody. I'd just go there to this state and do this for this long and move on to the next place. And everywhere I went, there I was. And everywhere I went, there was all the problems. And um, I just still did not have the capacity at 38 years old to figure out who I was or why all of this was happening to me and what am I doing wrong. And I just mentally completely shut down, didn't open mail for four years, just, I mean, just completely... Uh, Not, uh, like I said, moving here to there 12, 14 weeks in. You know, I don't have to be tied down to anybody. And uh, this is all after this third marriage uh, came crashing down. And um, so um, I made the decision to run from my problems by nursing. And it was the most, the, the worst mistake I could have ever made because I left everybody that supported me and loved me behind. And I wasn't trying to bomb nobody where I was at. It was just me. And I dove into a mental state that a lot of it sometimes I can't even remember. Um, Sometimes I do remember things. And that is when my drug use started. Um, It uh, was unrelated to to nursing. Um, I had a physician that uh, when all this went down with my husband, the my ex-husband or my whatever he is because it's a old thank god um i don't have to count that one uh is a significant part of my story uh I, ha- I had seen a doctor of course she put me on some anxiety meds and some sleep meds and i was already on a uh, mild pain medication for a years long-standing problem with uh mild pain. Anyway uh, so I had, I went to the doctor and got all that lined up before I left to go anywhere and I had refills and there's a CVS and a Walgreens and whatever else chain there is all over the United States so uh, drugs were not a problem. I found myself um, using them quite a bit Um, and and not really abusing yet, but having to have them. It got into me having to have them. Um, I would call in early for refills. Uh, I would go to a dentist in Missouri and you know, there would be no record of me, so they would you know, claim to be having some tooth pain or whatever and they would give me extra pain medicine and just drug seeking. Uh, because that's the only way I felt better. Uh, I didn't know what else to do and I was so mentally gone um, I just uh and I was so lost because I couldn't figure out why this repeated behavior or this the same things kept happening to me at every relationship and um uh so anyway, uh, it, it snowballed uh and it got into um, of course DUIs and reckless driving and, and a couple of nights in jail and and uh then um got you know it would just it would just pile up and um my license was suspended uh for five years, and I guess this was about uh, the age of 30, 40 uh, ish maybe um so I made it for two years out there uh all over the United States using or whatever and uh, still maintaining a job still functioning it was just um it was just uh it's just so snow. It's just like skewed, uh, that whole four years. Um, and uh it's, it escalated of course until I, like I said, I started getting violations and fines and and I lost my license and you know, and then I ended up having to come back home and um, you know, there went the car and the you know you just I just lost everything. And um My family would say things to me like whenever I got back home, you know, what's going on? You're one of the strongest people we know. And I was like, you know, it'll be okay just still uh, just living in my own silent hell, if you will. Um, And um, started lying to my family, started stealing, Um, couldn't hold down a simple job. Um, so my family um, finally are, are so oblivious to addiction. Um, and I'm the last person in the world that I thought would be ever be an addict and that it would cost me my career and everything else that it did. Um, but they sat me down at the age of, well, in 2007, they said, you can have your drugs or your family. And um, so I chose my family. I went to uh, detox, and that was my first time in recovery. And I recovered from 2007 to 2011 um, and decided that, uh, well, stop doing what kept me clean and um, had a, uh, the start of a pretty bad physical barrier, so I got back, legally got back on my drug of choice, um, thinking that I could control it and that I had it. Um, All this done in secret. And um, it wasn't um, long before I was out there full-blown again. And I stayed out there about 18 months. And uh, my my drug of choice was opiates. And so um, in that uh, relapse of 18 months, I got even more charges, lost the license again, messed up a couple of cars, had a few wrecks, So it was the same old cycle coming back around. It just didn't take but 18 months this time uh, to get to that point. And um, so my pride kept me out there for that 18 months. The first time that I got clean from 2007 to 2011, I dove into N.A. full force. And, I mean, N.A. was my life for that four years. And, um, I thought I was a pretty spiritual person, um, with my background and being raised in church. And, um, but it was, and they do bring spirituality into, um, the 12-step programs, both of them, um, that I went to. Um, actually, a pretty good bit. And I thought that would be sufficient. Um, and, uh. Held, you know, offices and served on committees and was all about 12-step calls and making the next, you know, helping the next addict and and giving back. And uh, 2007 to 11, the first time I got clean, I did start working the steps, and I got step four, and the pain was so great I quit. And that was the start of my downfall. I quit working the steps um, because step four is your... Um, just your life and um, moral inventories and and uh character defects and all that rolled up into one, and I just couldn't face it and the way, reason I couldn't face it is because I still didn't know what was wrong. I had no idea why this why this would be happening to me and why um all of these dead in relationships and all these poor decisions that I make and I just never could figure it out. And um, so, to make a long story short, I stayed out there 18 months, and um, I had to tell my family that I had relapsed again. Well, if you remember me um, talking about my mother and our relationship is very strained right now. Um, She did not handle it very well. Um, I came to... uh, And I'm going to elaborate on that in a few minutes. Um, I decided to get clean on September the 29th of 2013. Didn't I come to... In 14? I came in January of 2014, Leah. Okay. So I got clean, uh, if this is four years, then yes, uh, September... Um, I did not come to the Hope House until January of fourteenth, so I had three months, and in that three months, um, this is my second time clean, um, in that three months, uh, I gave my keys to my dear friend John and... Um, I stayed in my apartment. You know, I couldn't go anywhere because that's where all my drug people were. And it was, uh, I had just gotten out of detox. And I had made a decision that I would just stay there in the apartment and not have any, you know, it'd be better if I just didn't have any way, any way to go. And if I went somewhere, I'd have someone with me. So for that three months, I did some real soul searching. And I had to figure out what was missing. Where did I go wrong and uh, what could I do different? What did I need to do different? And I know that uh, most of you um, that are um, in recovery for substance abuse know about the self-loathing and the guilt and the shame that you feel and that you live in. Um, And it is months before uh, we seem to be able to break that off of us. So for that three months, I stayed in my apartment. And I went through all of that alone. It was very painful. And so I finally made the decision to go to the Hope House. And... um, with my family's support and my best friend John's support I came to the house in January of 2014 but in that three months I found out what it was that was missing and where I went wrong and what I stopped doing and, which is everything that kept me clean <coughs> and it was Jesus Christ So, at the end of that three months before I came to the Hope House, of course, I was feeling better physically. And um, I got to Hope House, and I was probably pretty annoying. <laughs> I'm told I was anyway. Um, come bouncing up the stairs, and, um, you know, hey, I'm here, you know, I'm ready for rehab. And they were like, okay. Who was this idiot? Anyway. um, But when I tell you that I was completely ready, I was completely ready. And when I had decided that I had had enough, um, I had had enough. And when I figured out that it was um, Jesus Christ that was missing, the missing link... when I got to the Hope House, I decided that I would pursue him as hard as I had pursued drugs. It's really paid off for me. Um, I would never let go of that. Do I? Wonder sometimes. Do I have lack of faith sometimes? Yes, I do. Um, but I graduated in the fifteen months, and uh, I have never let go of Jesus Christ, and I made him my number one priority instead of an A, and um, instead of my family, instead of my friends, instead of. Anything that I do, I'm very grateful that on the 29th of September, it'll be four years, which is my itchy place. That's how I made four years the first time. So I'm back at where I started. I've left out a lot of details on my testimony, but that's okay. Because what I want to share tonight, and I will do it in a short Uh, time period, and um, although I am very partial to Hope House ladies, and I've worked this program that that they're working, I know that others in this room are not here for substance abuse, maybe depression or anxiety or eating disorder or whatever it is, and I'm sure that you have struggles too, but I'm going to have to speak on what I know. And I'm trying to understand why is it that in the last week I have heard four of my Hope House sisters' names and they are completely in addiction just in the last week. Children have been lost again. Some of them are in jail. Some of them are living in cars. One of them's living behind a Walmart or whatever. It hurts me, and I'm. Tr- what I would like to say to you is, this is a dangerous, dangerous disease, and I don't know what it will take for you to realize that if you are doing what is working in the Hope House, what makes you think that it's going to be, if you do it different whenever you get out of the Hope House? I'm telling you that this is no joke. And I want to tell you how important it is for you to continue your recovery. And I'm not talking two meetings a week. I'm talking on a daily basis. And if Christ is not your priority, you're going to have another run with it. I can almost promise you that. Um, it cannot be done. You've tried it. I've tried it. Everybody in here has tried it. Every way that they possibly can. If you will try this one last remedy, his insurance, he is the only way to possibly live life if you have not been delivered, which I have not, and I know people that have been, I have not, on a daily basis. But you have got to do your part. You cannot, you've got to meet him halfway. Um, you have got to do your part. You have got to figure out if meetings in church and uh family and work is what keeps you clean if that's what's keeping you clean why in the world would you try to change that when you get out of a protected environment you know the seriousness of this is four of y'all just in this last week I've heard about because they're not doing what you were taught to do in the Hope House and you think you're different, you're not different. It's going to be the same ending for you. And you're going to die. These people that I'm, I'm not going to give any names, but they will probably, there's three options for us. Jails, death, or you get your life cleaned up. And there is no other, there is no other options for us. There's a couple of things that I wanna just share with y'all very quickly. Um, Because I want each and every one of y'all to know that um, y'all might think that I've got it together and that my life is good and my life is good, but I have had the worst nine months of turmoil since graduating from the Hope House Than I have had in so many years, and there is no reason for me not to have relapsed except for Jesus Christ alone, because he is the only person, the only thing in my life that I knew was missing, and I decided to take him up on his offer, and he has saved me this last nine months. And I'm telling you, it cannot be done please just give it a fair shake give it a fair try um there's a few things i just want to mention my mother um like i said it's a it's a very hard relationship she's a very hard person and it took me uh about 9 months ago i thought we were just past this you you know I know you're lying, I know you're using, and just making me, taking me back to that place to where whenever I was addicted, um, all of those feelings of frustration and anger and self-loathing, and this is what she brings me to, and it started up again nine months ago. We had a good year and a half where nothing was said about it, and suddenly, suddenly she starts Every time I'm down there to see her, it happened three times in the last nine months. And since Thanksgiving, I've only seen her twice. Um, and I'm thinking to myself, when I've been counseled by Pastor David, and I have worked on this one specific thing for nine months, and I have journaled, and Thanksgiving was the third time. The first time, I handled it by leaving. The second time... Uh, I handled it by talking it out with her, calling and getting Pastor David's um, opinion about what what I should do very calmly. But when it happened this third time, y'all, it was like my head spun around. Okay, and I could not take it anymore. And I said things to my mother, and she said things to me, and I was right back in that addict mentality. Anger, frustration, disgust. I wanted to physically hit my mother, and I was in a trap, and I didn't have my car outside to leave. And it was just me and her and my sister, my other support whenever I'm I'm home, was not there to come and help me. And I was trapped in that situation. And it was the perfect opportunity for me to walk away. I was hurt so bad by my mother that I left there thinking that my mother hated me. That is very that is very hard for a child to think that their mother hates them. Okay, so two things could have happened. I could have used, which is what I wanted to do, or I could use some of the tools that the Hope House taught me. And I'm talking about this is only nine months ago that... Uh, I was back in that addict mentality, just like that, and you have no idea how quickly that it can happen. Okay, so I'm, I got through that, and I decided uh, that I would not let my mother go over this, which is a drastic change for me because I'm a, I used to be a very judgmental and very hard person, um, but I was going to keep fighting because that's the the Lord the Scripture says, love your honor your mother and father, and it was from a biblical approach, and um, so I kept working at it. I'm still working at it. I only talked to my mom like I probably only talked to her five times since Thanksgiving, and only seen her twice, um, because it's one of those relationships that I've got to I've got to love her from a distance right now. Or something drastic is going to happen, and it's not going to happen to her. It's going to happen to me. And um, so I, I of course, talked to Pastor David and another friend of mine. I I called my cousin, and I've called my sister. And I said, something is going on within her, and I cannot put my finger on it. Um, You've got to please help me. I said to my sister, I said, do you think... Um, that things happened that happened to me in my past, would it give her any relief to know, like, is she, would it help her to know why kind of things happened the way they did for me? Um, or would it just make her so sad and so guilty that the rest of her days here, she's 72, um, the rest of her days here would be miserable if I, so I had to make that decision, Okay. And I'm doing this through tools that I've learned. I'm not giving up on my mother. I didn't use any drugs. I'm trying to salvage this relationship because she's my mother. So I go to my my mom and with the decision to let her know that things happened in my childhood, I decided I would not be specific. And I said, what is it? that keeps bringing us back to this place. And she said, I wish there was something that I could have done. So she has been carrying guilt since 2007, thinking this whole thing was her fault. And it's the only she doesn't have any coping skills. It's the only thing that she knew to do. So now I'm making an adjustment in my life Because I have to accept her the way she is. She's 70-something. It's not going to change for her. I'm going to have to be the one to make some changes and accept that. Do you know what taught me that? The Hope House taught me that. That you do not have to use. And they taught me these tools. And Jesus Christ taught me these tools. And these pastors taught me these tools. And I'm applying them in my life. And it is four years later of a problem that I exposed light to four years ago and I'm still in the middle of it. Life goes on out here in this world and it will take you back out there and use. If you do not apply what is being taught to you now, if it's working for you now, why would you wanna change it whenever you get out here? Don't ever think that you have this thing. I just don't I, I don't know what else I I don't know what else to say. I just beg and plead of y'all to know that if you're doing something that's working, please don't stop doing it because life is gonna slap you so hard in the face, just like it did at my mom's house at Thanksgiving. And if I would have had a way to get out and get me some drugs, I probably would have used over that. But thank God that I have been practicing the last four years for that moment. And it's, it ain't, I'm just trying to tell you that it is not easy. And if you do not do some kind of maintenance for it every day, you can't do this part-time. I love, I love y'all, I love this church family. Um, but I'm going to tell you something. Satan is very strong and he's very powerful and what I want you to know is is uh he can only have what you let him keep. Um, something's got to be. Something's got to be done, and y'all are the only people that can do it for yourself. And I'm so concerned, and I'm so sad, but I want you to know that um, I'm very grateful for where I am. I'm very grateful to have had the opportunity to be at the Hope House, and um, I've worked on it every day. I have not missed a day that I don't get up and say I'm an addict today. It just never changes. And um, as far as that's just one little situation with my mother that's been going on, I'm talking about this thing is progressive. Things that you expose today might not even come to pass until five years from now. Um, Secrets keep you sick. They kept me sick for a very long time. Um, you just don't have to live life that way. It just uh, you don't have to. Not anymore. Um, I hope this helps somebody. I um, I love y'all, church family, and that's all I've got to share.